This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello again, this is Something Rhymes with Purple. I'm Giles Brandreth, and with me is my friend... Susie Dent. And we are... (laughs) almost (laughs) forgotten your name. People never forget their names, though. The name is your identity. Across a crowded room, you can't hear anything else. If anybody says Susie Dent, you'll pick it up, won't you? Yes. Because we are all obsessed with ourselves, and... We're actually mostly quite intrigued by our own names. Surnames fascinate me. I know we've talked about the origin of the name Brandreth and yes. the origin of the name Dent. I discovered recently, which I didn't know, that Johnson, did you realise this, as in... Penis. Yes. It is a euphemism for the male member. Yeah. Um, which, when does this date from? The Johnson. Would you like me to look it up in the I, Oxford I, I, English Dictionary? I would. I mean, I say... Would you like? I suspect that the dictionary... It's somehow remarkably prescient. I think it can see into the future. Johnson has meant a penis since 1863. Trump has meant to fart for uh, centuries and, I mean, also to triumph. And I think I've also mentioned one of my trio of words, Trumperiness, which is the state of being extremely showy but utterly worthless. Uh, so Johnson has meant a penis, yeah, for a very long time. We are, I should explain this, a non-political, above-party politics podcast. We are for all comers who are interested in words and language. We believe in the power of language. We try to do things with words. I think they are vital. And our names are vital to ourselves. We all have surnames now. Mm-hmm. Is the surname a new thing, an old thing? When did, when did the surname come along? And what does surname mean? S-U-R-N-A-M-E. Um, it means additional name. Ah. Um, so, as in surplus, something surplus, extra. Surplus, yes. Um, so sur, obviously in French, on top is of. on top of. Yeah. Sorry. When did surnames come into being? Surnames around the end of the 12th century. So adding a surname to someone's personal name was it became a, a common practice then. So this was um, in the wake of 1066 and the Normans coming over. So, so it was amongst members of the Anglo-Norman ruling classes. They were the ones who had the first surnames. But a thousand years ago, therefore, we just said, ah... There be Susan. She's the word. It's surnames now that we're talking about, though, isn't it? Yes, no, but they would have known you by your first name Uh, until then. Until then, I see what you mean. Yes. So a thousand years ago, you would simply have been called Susan. Mm -hmm. She's the word one. (laughs) And the other, oh, that's Giles. He's the one who never stops talking. Is that how we would have been described? 
Yes, I guess so. And actually, uh, it's funny you should say that because nicknames uh, were quite a common way of creating surnames. So if you had Little John, that might have been applied to um, somebody who was of smaller stature than the next John. And occasionally there were sort of jokes as well. So there's a wonderful surname recorded uh, centuries ago. Uh, I can't remember his first name, actually, but it was Sweat in the Bed. Sweat in the bed. Yes. That's who's that known as. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, there oh, were... it's Charlie Sweat in the bed. I love it. That is not a name that has lingered over the years. No. So, with the arrival with the Norman Conquest, we have surnames being introduced. For what purpose? I mean, why were they needed? Well, they were needed for differentiation um, more often than not. So they could allude to where the bearer lived, mm-hmm. uh, their family relation. You know, Johnson is the son of John. Exactly. Their status or occupation, and we'll come to that, or as I say, their their nickname. So that was the ruling classes. And then during the next few centuries, it kind of spread to most of the population. Oh, so initially it was just the people in power, the the hoi polloi. Yeah. Which means common people, hoi polloi. Hoi polloi, common people. Common people is a Greek expression. Exactly, the vulgar people. The vulgar people. Vulgar meaning not vulgar as we know it today, but vulgar, vulgaris, you know, the the sort of, as you say, common in in the neutral way. So the people who were the peasants working the land, they would just have had Christian names. Yes, exactly right. And a while ago, I I wrote a review actually for a book um, written by David McKee, who is an onomast, somebody who studies proper names, surnames. An onomast? Onomastics, it's called, yes. Sounds, and it sounds a bit for which you should be arrested. <laughs> oh dear, I'm afraid. Touch of the old onomasm. Mm. Yes, it's, it's O-N-O. Onomos in Greek was a name. A name. So not the Onan, the biblical. Oh, onan, reference. the spilling of seed. Exactly. Oh, yes. Yes, Onanism, obviously, masturbation. We're not talking about masturbation, we're talking about surnames. Uh, he looked at other countries. So, for example, in South Korea, some 20 million people share just five surnames. Um, and Good every grief. Every one of Denmark's top 20 surnames ends in Sun, S-E-N, meaning son of, um, which is replicated across Scandinavia. But British surnames, we've never had such kind of restrictions. And we've had, he mentioned some really wonderfully chewy names in the past. I mentioned Sweat in the Bed. There's also Crackpot, Crookbones. I love it. Crackpot. I'd like to be called Giles Crackpot. (laughs) Crookbones. Crookbones. And then obviously you'll still find your Haythornthwaite. Haythornthwaite. Your McGillicuddy. Uh, which is wonderful. And going back uh, to the 17th century, when under the influence of the Puritans, kids would be baptised with really pious names. So you've got (laughs) Thankful Thorpe. This is more first names, actually. But um, Humiliation Hind and Kilsin Pimple. And surnames such as Black in the Mouth, Blubber, Peck Cheese and Hate Christ. Goodness, these were surnames. Really descriptive surnames. I hate Christ. Oh, my goodness. I know. So fascinating, really. Our surnames, you know, tell a, a thousand tales. Well, if everybody in Denmark has... Was it in South Korea? The South top? Korea, 20 million people just shared just five surnames. Now, quiz for you. Can you guess the top 10 surnames in the UK? Oh, that's a good one. Well, well I know you Smith's do... still there? Smith is still number one. We have our lovely Paul Smith, the producer. So it's a good surname. And we'll come to that because obviously it's to do with uh, an occupation. Uh, How about Johnson? No, not in the top ten at all. But close to it, Jones is at number two. Yeah. Is that related to John in some way? I guess so, actually. 
Yes, I have to say I'm not an onomast. I, so I, I'm a bit of a magpie when it comes to surnames. I Williams just kind of collect trinkets. Williams comes trinket. third. Williams and Williamson. And that will be from William, won't it? Black, white colours in there? No, not in the top Gosh, ten. Taylor is there. next. T-A-Y-L-O-R. But yeah. I imagine that comes from the trade of the tailor. Absolutely. Uh, Davies, D-A-V-I-E-S, is mm-hmm. at number five. Brown is number six. Okay, so got the colour. Mm-hmm. Wilson is number seven. Will's son. Evans is number eight. Number nine is Thomas. And number 11 is Roberts. So of okay. those, several are actually versions of first names. Yeah. And then we get down to, well, the other colours. White is at number 16. Edward, Hughes, 17 and 18. Green is number 19. Wood is 21. 24 is Jackson. And 25 is Clark. With an E. Okay, so that makes sense. As you say, many of them occupational. We'll come to the different categories um, as well. But we're talking about nicknames and how sometimes they result in medieval humour. So somebody with the surname Stout might well have been an epithet for someone who was quite skinny. So sometimes they kind of flipped it. Did you know, long before David Beckham, centuries before David Beckham, there was a Gilden Bollocks that was a popular surname on the streets of medieval Gilden England. Bollocks. Gilden Bollocks. Why are you relating that to David Beckham? Forgive because me, he was called Golden Balls. Golden Balls? Yes. Because he was so good as a hitter of balls with his feet. Exactly. Gilden. And so there was somebody called Gilden Bollocks. Gilden Bollocks. Quite a few people called Gilden How Bollocks. How amusing. I think. Yeah. Hugo. Ah, hello. I am Hugo Gilden Bollocks. I love it. <laughs> we need it to revive these surnames. Is Dent your maiden name, as it were? You've always been a Dent. Your I'm parents still, I've Dent. never had any other name but Dent. You've yeah. always been called Dent. Yes. Because some people now do this thing of... Uh, hyphenating. Hyphenating. Mm-hmm. My, my daughter... Afra Brandreth. She is married to Ian Stroud, and their children are Brandreth Stroud, which is fine. But what are the grandchildren going to be? It just goes on and on and on. Mm. But there is, it's quite an issue, isn't it? I mean, mm. do, you, do you keep your father's name, your mother's name? What do you keep? What do most people do nowadays? They still, I think, traditionally take the father's surname. On yes, the although I know a lot of people who take their mum's surname, actually. Oh. Mm. My mother's surname was Addison. Giles Addison. Actually, Marchant. Mm. That's rather good. Susan, and tonight with Susan Marchant. I like that. (laughs) It's got a certain ring to it. Does it? And I think Giles Addison is rather good. I like it too. I I think it's got a... Oh, I just so hate Brandreth. Such a ridiculous name. And being spelt with a Y is pretty ridiculous too. I was dipping into somebody else's podcast the other day because you've got to keep up with the competition. Absolutely. Uh, And it was hosted by Giles Corrin. Oh, yeah. Who is a, a young so young but younger than me, a journalist, and he does a podcast with his wife. And this show that I was listening to began with a long rift about why he was called Giles and how people used to confuse him with me, which I was quite excited about, Mm. and how he hated this. I was not so excited about that. How people asked him if it was Giles with a Y, because my Giles is spelt with a Y, and how he thought that was a bit ponzi. He's just with an I. What he didn't know and won't know unless he listens to our podcast, is that I was a friend of his father, Alan Corrin. Alan Corrin. Uh, Alan Corrin was a broadcaster, wasn't he? He was a a funny man. He was a very funny man. And I met him 50 years ago when I was a student at Oxford and I invited the then editor of Punch, which was an enormously famous humorous magazine that will have given many words to our language. I imagine mm. it's often Curious quoted. Egg. One of the, the phrase, the curate's egg, egg, came from a cartoon. cartoon that appeared in Punch in mm. sometime in the 19th century. And I invited the editor 
of Punch to come to Oxford to speak at the debating society, the Oxford Union, when I was president. And he came. And I, he invited me to go to a lunch at Punch. And they used to have a famous Punch table where all the former editors and lead contributors had carved their names into the table. So people like A. A. Milne, the great of Winnie the Pooh, he'd been the deputy editor of Punch around the time of the First World War, his name was there. And I sat next to Alan Corran, who eventually became editor of Punch, and was, I would say, perhaps the most amusing humorous journalist of his day. And he also was a broadcaster. Anyway, we talked about my name being Giles, and he said how he liked the name Giles. And this was before he was married, before he had children. So I think Giles Corran is very lucky that it wasn't Absolutely. Giles with a Y. Nice to be called Giles, but not Giles with a Y. The reason I'm called Giles with a Y is simply that names didn't have settled spellings either, did they, for no. hundreds of years? No. And in olden times, Giles would have been spelt with a Y or with an I. Either. We have to remember Shakespeare spelled his own name twice, differently. I think more on than that. His think, will, on his will, on uh, the same document. On the same document? Yes. William Shakespeare spelt it different ways. <laughs> he did, he did. But it is fascinating. I mean, you're talking about first names there, but with, with surnames, I mean, some people lived and literally died for their names. William's conquering army, going back to 1066, about a third of them apparently were Flemings, and that meant somebody from Flanders, um, and just traditionally associated with trade, etc. But there are still Flemings. There are still Flemings. There is the Fleming banking family, of which yeah. Ian Fleming, of course, the creator of 007 James Bond, was, was a member. But when English merchants started to resent the new competition, the results were quite dramatic. And going back to David McKee's wonderful study of, of surnames. He relates how many of the Flemings who settled in London were actually hunted down by mobs because they were called Flemings and they were forced to say words like bread and cheese and if their response was a little bit like brod and kiss, they would be set upon and slaughtered. Good so grief. surnames can be fairly have fairly dramatic consequences. You know, what's also really interesting for a linguist is that very often a surname will give you the first record of a name. So the Oxford English Dictionary will give you a surname. I think it was called Roger. I always call it Roger. And it was called Adam. Adam Bilberry Lip. It's the first quotation we have for Bilberry. Um, and that was in a court roll of 1584 in Nottingham. And Squib is first recorded in a nickname. Even the F word is recorded in surnames from the 13th century. So we've got a Mr. Windfuck in 1287. Now, you have Why to remember... Why would anyone be called Windfuck? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because As do you remember, you've forgotten, us wearing episode in which I told you that fucking was all about hitting someone originally, not about loving someone or having sex with them. It's to do with striking. It's so it was striking. Yeah, so Windfucker, do you remember, was a name for the Kestrel. So, so Mr. Windfuck probably took his... Pull yourself together, girl. <laughs> probably Mr. took his name from the Windfucker Kestrel. There's also, um, in the 13th century, there was a Mr. Fuck Butter, all to do with a buttermonger knocking butter of blocks. Oh, my goodness. Knocking blocks of butter. Uh, so butter into blocks for sale. That's what we think that one is. Oh, so, fuck butter. So it was somebody, as you know, when you made like uh, a portion of butter for someone to buy, yeah. there's a great vat of it. You take it out. And, and put you, it into blocks. You beat it into place. Yeah, and it was all about and, beating. And the word fuck actually means beat. You were beating yeah. the butter into place. Absolutely so right. he is the local fuck 
Matter. Yes. And just to finish off, you've yep. got Alice Charwoman. That's the first record we have of Alice Charwoman. Charwoman. And Ralph Bullfinch. There you go. I think it's time for a break, actually. Oh, I don't know we can have a break just before Alice Charwoman. Why is she called a Charwoman? When I was a child, cleaners mm. that you would see with scarves tied around their heads on their knees, scrubbing their front doorsteps, sometimes were called Charwomen. Why were they called Charwomen? I'll tell you after the break. Okay. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. If these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Giles, uh, before the break, you asked me about charwoman because we're talking about Alice Charwoman in the 14th century who was alive and well. Char, it goes back to chair, C-H-A-R-E, which meant a turn of work. So it's all to do with turning. So that's why we have the char ladies. I, I remember char ladies as well. Oh. Not that we had any, but... Alice Charwoman. Yes. It's rather a lovely name. It is, isn't it? Now, I think at this point, I should tell you where most surnames come from, because you read out some of the Hmm. most popular ones. I mean, some of them are fairly obvious. So you have, in the 12th century, when surnames really began, began to become settled, obviously you have a lot of villages. Um, So the majority of the population, which is about a million and a half in those days, were country dwellers. And many of our surnames have those artisans, people who are artisans within the villages as their origin. So we have the Miller. You mentioned A.A. Milne. That's a variation of Miller. You have the Smith, like our wonderful Paul Smith here, Goldsmith or Shoesmith or even Smythe. You have the Nailers. You have the Bakers, also known as Baxters. Um, We mentioned Tailors. Webster's and Weavers would weave the cloth um, that was from the Fullers. Uh, they softened it. Uh, You'd have the, merchants, as in. You'd have merchants and merchants, merchants, my maiden name. Yeah. Or oh, not my maiden name, my mum's maiden name. Um, walkers fold the cloth by walking or trampling uh, in it. In the southwest, those Fullers were called Tuckers. Walker, interestingly, now number 12 in the list of most popular surnames. Wright, W R I G H T, number 13, as in wheelwright. Wheelwrights, exactly. Plowwrights, uh, they made the wooden parts of the plows. The Wainwrights made wagons because Wain was an old English term for a wagon, as in Constable's Hay Wain, the hay, hay wagon. Uh, the Hewers, surname of the lovely Nicholas Hewer, uh, they worked as cutters of wood and stone. They hewed the stone and so on. And then, of course, other occupations came about. Now, a really important part of Every villager's diet was ale. I mean, ale was considered to be the most drinkable 
potable drink, really. It was the healthiest one because water was considered to be quite dangerous. So you have the brewer, the cooper, the taverner, the inman, the mead. The inman. So the John inman, inman was an is... inman. <sighs> yeah. And also, that. sometimes the alewives would stand outside these pubs and sell their drinks. And uh, they would shout good ale to their customers. And that's where we get good all from. The name Goodall, Goodall comes from Good, good, good ale. ale. We got Good Ale here. Good Ale. Oh, thank you, Mistress Goodall. It's great. Good Ale, it? Goodall. I love it. Then you have Lamberts, who were lamb herders. The Hogarts or the Hogarths even were in charge of the hogs, the pigs. And then you have the animals, who were a really important part of the medieval livelihoods. So you've got the tanners and the skinners, the barker. The barker would soak the hides in water with crushed oak bark. Um, that was the idea. The glover collected skins for the work. The croucher used to stuff cushions with the hair from the animals. The fat was sold to the chandler, the candle maker. Oh, you've got so many. Salters, wit bread from white bread. Fowler, they used to, you know, But this is chickens. extraordinary. So most of our surnames date back thousands, well, a thousand years, basically. So many of them. And so, they are so these, they're either places... Or derivatives of other names, like Johnson being son of John, Stevenson, son of Stephen, all of that. Mm -hmm. Or they are these trades and professions. Occupational names. Fletcher's made arrows, the archers, obviously, as well. The spears, they were the spearmen. Law, people called law, to do with the law. Yeah, they worked in the law, exactly. And the constable was the count of the stable. They were in charge of the stable. And then you have the entertainers as well, who would kind of entertain the lords. Um, so you've got the harpers and the whistlers and the pipers, um, oh, etc. Harper? Yeah. Harper yeah. actually comes back from someone who played the harp. And the Luther, Luther was, uh, in French you still have Luthier, the maker of lutes. So Martin Luther King had somewhere in his ancestry a maker of lutes. As in Martin Luther, of course. As in Martin Luther himself, Protestant of course. Absolutely. Pioneer Luther. Yeah. Hopper, probably a spirited performer on stage. The trumper, the trumpet blower. And then you've got the members of the clergy. Um, Prescott, that meant somebody who dwelled at the priest's cottage. The press for the priest's and cot cottage. Gosh. And you do uh, people called priests, don't you? And bishop. And priest and bishop and parson. There were two bishops in bed. Which one wore the nighty? <laughs> Mrs. Bishop. (laughs) (laughs) And so it goes on. So it's it's completely fascinating. I think it's it's glorious. I I love the games we can play with names. Another day, we must also, I hope, investigate the the first names that also mean things. Yeah, we must do first names. Because um, Abigail, I know, is also a word for a lady's maid. Yes. Susie, you used the expression the other day, nominative determinism. What does that mean? Nominative determinism <laughs> determinism, is where your surname somehow absolutely matches what you do, who you are. We mentioned Johnson at the beginning. You may or may not think that somebody called Johnson is a penis. As you say, we're totally or a a- dick. apolitical. Dick, dick. Is, is a euphemism for that. Oh, yes. just like the one I've genuinely come across, the consultant gynaecologist at the Highgate Hospital, who I think is genuinely called Ms. Fanny, F-A-N-I, Cocker. K-O-K-K-A. That is wonderful. And there's another one, uh, a marine biologist, uh, who is called Helen Scales. These are real people with these real names. Okay, I've got one here. Yes. These were all collected from Popbit, I think, the website. Um, They've come up with some fantastic ones here. Uh, The male reproduction biologist who's trialling a new contraceptive pill for men, Dr. Christina Wang. 
Well, what about this one? The senior nurse endoscopist at the Imperial College Healthcare Trust is Paula Swallow. Uh, Australian cameraman for ABC, Les Seymour. The group director of travel retail for Thomas Cook, Lars Bording. Excellent. That is, they're very neat, aren't they? There are some really good ones. And um, please do, if you have any good examples of people who somehow fulfil their name in a good or bad way, um, let us know. We'd love to hear them. Good. Have you got my three words? I say my three words. Have you got your three words to share with us? Every week, if you're new to the podcast, what happens is we talk about a theme quite loosely and we invite your contributions, if you have any, and you simply send them to us at purple at somethingelse.com and something is spelled without a G. And Susie always comes up with three intriguing words. What's your trio for today, Susie? I just like this one. It's not very much to say about it. I just think it's quite... Beautiful to darkle is to grow dark. We talk about the darkling. Yes. Uh, well, we don't anymore. But the darkling oh, thrush is exactly. a famous poem, isn't it? Darkle to darkle to, darkle. to grow darker. Hmm. Okay. Now, mention trumperiness at the beginning, and also trumpery finery, uh, which was one of my grandmother's favourite terms. Trumpery finery again, something. A bit of a showy trifle, but not worth very much. This goes with the fandangle. Oh, I love. Not the fandango, but oh. the fandangle. But you can talk about the fandango if you like. No, I love fandango. What is your word, fandangle? Fandangle. What is a fandangle? A fandangle is an extravagantly fanciful ornament. Oh, beautiful fandangle. And my final one, because we are still in the summer, is the opposite of hibernate. And we know what hibernating is, and some of us feel like hibernating throughout the cold months. But if you go into a state of torpor and suspended animation during the summer, you are estivating. Because este, I thought, was spring. Estivus in Latin was summer. Summer. Estivus yeah. is summer. A-E-S-T-I-V-U-S. And hiber is from hiver, which is hiver or which is winter. winter. Hibernum, yeah. So uh, you hibernate in the winter, you estivate. Estivate. And is, is that E-S-T-E or I? E-S-T-I-V-A-T-E. Estivate. Well, it's time for us to estivate for another week as the day darkles and I want to go and polish my fandangles. And uh, I hope... Um, and I'm having the giggles. This has been a day when we've had the giggles the, between the pair of us. Lovely words there. Lovely spending time with you, my friend. And that's Thank the all, that's all we've got for this week from Something Rhymes with Purple. There'll be more next Tuesday. Who knows what we'll be talking about then. But I do hope you'll join us. If you've uh, quite liked it, give us a nice review. Uh, recommend us to a friend. Um, and if you've got a question you'd like to ask us or just want to get in touch, you can email us at purple at something else. That's something else without a G in it, dot com. Something Rhymes with Purple is a Something Else production produced by Paul Smith with additional production from Lawrence Bassett, Steve Ackerman and Gulliver. Oh, dear old Gulliver. I'm going home to fuck some butter. <laughs>